This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 25. This is Writing Excuses, adjusting character sympathy. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm <laughs> You were so adamant that you got to go second. I was sitting there waiting. And now look at this. I, you, we, we, I wasn't adamant about it. You jumped you on. So you were so pretty. adamant. Yeah. Yes, oh, wait, I know. There's so I need, else. To, I need to, uh, for starters, me being stompled on like this, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the Howard character for not getting to speak is now more sympathetic. Yeah. Yes, or maybe the Dan true. character is, is less, less sympathetic, sympathetic. I would agree with that. how arrogantly he demanded to go before Mary. All right. So this podcast is referencing the podcast where I talked about this idea of character having three sliding scales that I've envisioned. The, you can come up with your own. This is not a hard, fast rule, but I've started to view characters as having a sympathy bar, a competency bar, and a productivity bar that you can adjust. And we talked about this concept, but what we realized is we didn't talk about how to actually move that bar up and down. So we're going to take a podcast for each of these realms and talk about what it does to move that bar up and down and how you move that bar up and down. So this isn't just about creating sympathetic characters. It's about deciding how sympathetic you want your character and then moving the, the bar appropriately. Now, let me ask you, why <coughs> would you want a character to not be sympathetic? Sometimes you need a character to be less sympathetic if, if well, first of all, villains. Right. Villains, it's handy if they're not quite so sympathetic. But let's say that we're talking about a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the reason you want them to be somewhat less sympathetic is because they're so good at something else that people start to get annoying, annoyed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also gives them somewhere to grow. Yeah. I would say that's the main one, is yeah. the growth one. But on villains, you know, you can, even a villain is somewhere on this scale. Yeah. And I often mention the, the two villains from Lord of the Rings. Um, well, the two main ones, Sauron and, um, and Smeagol, Gollum. One is very sympathetic, one is non-sympathetic. And you can put in your story, what does that non-sympathetic villain do for you that the sympathetic villain doesn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another way to do this, or another reason to do an unsympathetic character, is it's a way of making a different character more sympathetic. Yes. Yes. Um, in John Cleaver books, which we'll be talking about a lot in this podcast, yes. um, in the second book, the, there's a character who shows up named Kurt, his sister's boyfriend, who is an absolutely horrible person. And one of the reasons that he is unsympathetic and horrible is because it makes you like John more. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the muddy colors principle, and I can't mm-hmm. remember the artist who said this, but he basically said he could paint the Venus de Milo using nothing but mud if you would allow him whatever colors he chose for what surrounded her. Uh, and that's this principle at work. You can make somebody appear more or less sympathetic by who you put around them. Mm-hmm. I think that adjusting this sympathy slider. Uh, for me, you know, I've got, I've almost always got an ensemble cast I'm working with, and uh, there are characters that I need to be very sympathetic, and there are characters I need to be unsympathetic, and it may change from book to book, not necessarily relating to that character's arc. It's relating to <laughs> what's the what's the muddy, schlocky color in the middle need to look like, uh, and so I adjust what's around him. I'll say that one person that's a master of this is George R. R. Martin. Yes. Um, he plays with this sympathy bar 
just like crazy in his stories. Um, and one thing that fans of his stories love about him that they talk to me about is the idea that in the first book, well, I've only read the first one personally, um, the characters that I hated, they say in later books, no, those are my favorite characters. You come to really understand and love them, mm -hmm. which is George R. R. Martin taking and playing with these tropes, the really sympathetic people that start off by the end, they're either dead or unsympathetic, and the sympathetic, unsympathetic characters are your favorites by the later books. Yeah, although I think it's safe to say with George that they're dead. Yeah, they're you probably can... dead. Yeah, <laughs> they're probably dead. Um, and this is something, like I've always said, George R. R. Martin, I've read a lot of his short stories yeah. and things, is a master of characterizing in a short amount of time. And this is one of the ways he does it, is by playing with the sympathy bar. Yeah, and it does make your characters feel more rounded. Mm -hmm. you know, even villains, even if you want someone to be a character that is hated. Yeah. Having them be having giving them some sympathy points are going to make a, right. a more rounded and it's going to make them more worthwhile to kind of go against because it's not just a cardboard cutout. They yes. see, they feel more real. Yeah. Um in fact the the further you go in your your book or your series or your story the the better it is to try and make the villain more relatable I've found. Um, you can have at the beginning, you're working so hard to characterize your protagonist that it's okay to leave the villain off for a while. But then once the readers get to know those characters, then digging into and letting them understand this, um, this villain is going to help a ton. Mm -hmm. um, so let's do the how. What are tricks that move this slider up or down? Okay. I will list one of them. Okay. Go um, for it. One is distance. Um, how emotionally distant mm. or removed from you the character is. For instance, a s very simple way to do this is putting you inside of someone's head automatically makes them more sympathetic. Now, you can have them then do things in that viewpoint that drive you away from liking them. You, you hate them even more because you see how nasty they are. But the moment you put them in the head, that moment starts sympathy. So that's a, that's a closeness to the reader. How far off they are, it's much easier for the reader, you know, it's much harder for the reader to relate to someone that is the king who's away. Um, mm -hmm. This is why, you know, when the king shows up at the end of Robin Hood stories, you're like, yay, the king, but we don't really care about the king. Right. Yes, they've been fighting for the king, but who cares? We're attached to these characters um, yeah. and these sorts of things. More than anything else, that is the, the core of the John Cleaver books, is let's put you in his head mm -hmm. and then see how far we can push you away from him while still making you root for him. Right. Um, so some of the tricks to keep you... Rooting for him right. to keep John as sympathetic as possible. He's funny. Yes, yeah, I was going to say funny is one. Of, humor is one of the the key things, mm -hmm. that, or wit. Um, yes, and and it doesn't always have to be someone that is cracking jokes, but someone. Although that helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but someone who is aware and can find even the gallows humor in their situation. Yeah. Is going to. Because one of the things about someone who makes fun of themselves right. is that it allows you to call attention to their weaknesses and their unsympathetic points. Right. That they are aware of them and this is a, hey, this person knows what that they're, they're doing. That they're flawed. Yeah. That they're flawed. You know, I did a um, an entire book where I masked two villains who were talking about horrible, horrible things as jokesters, joking about these things. And it, they were wonderful. You loved them until the halfway point where they did something awful. And it was one of the best reveals I've pulled off because the readers come to me and say, I love these characters. And I'm like, yes, 
they were saying all along what they were going to do, and then they did it. And that was that jokey nature. If they mm -hmm. had said those lines straight, everyone would have hated them from page one. And they didn't. They yeah. didn't catch that they were villains, despite every action they were doing was villainous. Yeah. Specifically in the John Cleaver books, the, the, the list of rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he knows, and, and it's... Oh, yes. Self-awareness yeah. is very sympathetic. Yeah. The self-awareness. And, um, and the other thing I also think is uh, weakness. Right. You know, having, having some sort of fatal flaw, whether that's uh, physical, emotional, mental... Uh, something that they, you know, desperately want to protect, whatever that weakness is, kryptonite. Right. Uh, having that will make you more sympathetic for it them. Will. Let's start it will. Unless you oh. go too far, yeah. Oh. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's stop for our book of the week. Yeah, let's. Howard, you are going to promote, promo The Butcher. Yep, The Butcher of Kardov. Uh, the, Warcast, the Warcaster Chronicles Volume 2, which is by some, some hack named, named Dan. Dan Wells. Um, this is, if you're at all familiar with the privateer press mythos, uh, the character The Butcher is a crazy, maniac, overpowered, murderous general uh and in game terms, uh, nobody really understands him, and he's, uh, he's just horrible. And when Dan wrote this book, uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you, I read this book and suddenly, for the first time, wanted to go out and buy this model so that I could have this guy because he was so sympathetic. Um, really, really well done. Um, it's, uh, it's a... Novella it was about thirty thousand words. 40, uh, around thirty or forty. Yeah, around thirty or forty thousand words. Um, it is a it is a wonderful story about a, uh, a about a about a horrible person. A, but, but he's very but he's very yes. sympathetic. And I got to tell you, at the end of the story, uh, at the end of the story, you love him for what he is, for what he is, and for what he has become. Um, and he has not become anything good. <laughs> but you love him anyway. I will say uh, one of the the great prides of my writing career is that this novella made Larry Correa cry. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. I bet there are lots of people that wish they could make Larry Correa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think he was capable of it, actually. But but he actually has tear ducts. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So audiblepodcast.com slash excuse start a 30-day free trial membership and grab a copy of the butcher of Cardoff, the warcaster chronicles volume 2 by dan wells uh narrated by mark viator uh absolutely free excellent so let's continue on this theme i want more ways to make characters more or less sympathetic okay we've talked about self-awareness and one of the reasons that self-awareness is sympathetic 
One of the reasons, honestly, that a lot of these things are sympathetic is because it's a quality we admire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we can admire that person and see something of ourselves or something we wish we saw in ourselves, then we will automatically like them more. Right. Whether it's self-awareness, competence, although that's a different slider is, that we'll be talking about later. will move up this slider. It will. The other two on this scale automatically move this slider up until you hit a certain kind of threshold, as we talked about before, yeah. where they mm -hmm. become too superhuman, which will start plunging their sympathy. Yeah. The, uh, this is a tricky way to move the slider, but if there is another character in, in the story who the reader identifies with and trusts, yes. and they like this character, uh, we, it, it bumps their sympathy up. Oh, this is not a hard one. In fact, this is not even... They don't even have to know this person well. Giving the main character a sidekick mm -hmm. or having them interact with people who sit, who talk and know them will immediately skyrocket this. The the example that I think of is uh, Joss Whedon's introduction of uh, the cast of Serenity mm -hmm. uh, in the first four minutes of that movie. Uh, we get to meet everybody. We get to know their roles. And Captain Mal's uh, sympathy bar... Yeah. Uh, gets pushed all the way through the roof when Kaylee comes up to him and says, I love my captain. Mm -hmm. Because we we don't yeah. know why we're supposed to like Kaylee, but we automatically like Kaylee. I don't know how they made that happen. But right. the fact that she likes Mal, yeah. we know that even though he's being bossy and panicky and mean and not spending enough money, we love him. Yeah. yeah. I think actually the reason we like Kaylee goes back to um, the competence thing. Yeah. Because she's very good with the engines, but she also has a vulnerability, which goes back into the weakness thing. And then, and I probably actually should have said vulnerability more than weakness. Yeah. There's the other one we haven't mentioned. It's the old standby, which is they're nice. They're nice. Um, mm -hmm. Hollywood says, show someone petting a puppy. Mm -hmm. If you want them to be sympathetic, show them kicking the puppy. If you want them to be unsympathetic, yeah. don't do that. But we've talked about before that showing someone doing something nice will raise it. Yep. Being mean uh, lowers it. Yep. Mm. And again, this is something that we admire in someone. Generosity and selflessness yeah. are things that we, you know, it is the, the puppy thing, but the right. fireman pulling the kitten out of yep. the, it's like, oh, look at that. He went into a burning building for a kitten. But also failure. Yes. Is, this is your, your weakness, um, your, your vulnerability thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned when we talk about this podcast, and some people may disagree with me on this, that Indiana Jones is, is really, really proactive. And that that raises our sympathy for him. That that's his main thing. Mal is kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. They're both playing this sort of ro rogue character where they try so hard and they fail most of the time. But mm -hmm. it's that failure. Um, the introduction to the first Indiana Jones movie where we don't really know Indy. We just know he's trying really hard. And by the end, he's been bested. We love him at the end yeah. of him going through all of that and, mm -hmm. and failing anyway. Now, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people are listening to this and mm -hmm. thinking... Oh, Indiana Jones and Mal and Han Solo, yeah. those people are cool because they fail and then they try again. Right. That's a big part of it. But yeah. the failure itself is important. Yes, the failure is very important. They, they fail so spectacularly. Failing, taking damage, yeah. getting beaten down, that is more than, you know, that's one of the other big things with John Cleaver is he has a horrible life right. and you want to help him. And this is a case where, again, if these characters were more competent, they would be far less sympathetic. Mal, if he were able to do all the stuff he wants to do, 
would not work as a character. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter falls yeah. into this category. He does. Because he is not a super competent character. No, he's the least competent um, of them. He is the least proactive mm -hmm. of his group of friends, but he lives under the stairs, and he's yep. a, you know he has this awful life, so we like him. And I think the flip side of that is James Bond. Yeah. The first the the opening scene of a James Bond movie makes him very proactive and super competent, but I never really like him. Yeah, you don't really mm -hmm. like. Then some people. I, might. Well, I mean, I like but, that yeah. he's competent. Mm -hmm. I like that he's competent, but uh, you it takes a whole film. Him. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. I want him to become more likable, mm -hmm. um, but it takes the rest of the movie in which they show weakness and failure and whatever oh. in order for me to like that character again. Excellent example of this is any Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. Jackie Chan is hyper competent, but in order to make you like him at the same time, anytime he's beating somebody up, mm -hmm. he gets punched a lot, he slams his fingers in the door, he has humor and 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 vulnerability yeah. mixed with his hyper competence. Yeah, because he actually manages to make his competence look yes. Accidental. Accidental, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. That's he the whole premise like of Drunken Master. He's, yeah, yeah exactly. The, right. That he's at the very edge of getting the tar beaten out of him and somehow he has scraped through yeah. is how Jackie Chan makes it feel. And a hero who is like that is more sympathetic. Now, that's not the only type of story you might want to write. It is all right to write the story as Dirk Pitt, I mentioned, or some of these, mm -hmm. the characters, that you really don't ever feel that they're in danger. You're reading about them for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah, and so if you want to make your characters unsympathetic, yes. then you do a lot of the opposites of what we're talking mm -hmm. about. You have someone who does something that is totally selfless. I mean, or selfish. selfish, yes. Someone who does something that's totally selfish. You have someone who is invulnerable. Yes, they never fail. Yes. Um, and, yeah, you know. the, yeah, the people who are always right are the ones mm -hmm. that you are so annoyed by. Exactly. Yes. Well, and lack of self-awareness. Mm. Yes. You know, a character who is blind to some key aspect of their lives can't stand that in a character mm -hmm. you know whether it's can't you see that this person loves you and you're chasing somebody else you know yep. that's very unsympathetic now, uh we you said you know we can accomplish this uh with the opposite if someone who has formerly trusted this character now no longer trusts them yeah. Yeah. sometimes that backfires on you because uh because we have all been we have all been betrayed uh and so that's something that's why I say this is tricky to work out. Right. Because you are, though, you are pushing one slider by moving a slider on a completely different board. Something very important about this discussion is the arc where you have someone who's sympathetic, who does things you don't want them to through the course of the story, mm -hmm. and then you ramp it back up at the yeah. end, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we should, we could have a whole podcast on that, but that's, you know, basically the, the the plot archetype of the second Spider-Man movie, which mm. is a really mm -hmm. strong movie, which is Spider-Man doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. He yeah. abandons being Spider-Man. You have the sympathy, you're bringing it down, and then the the climax coincides with bringing the slider back up. Yeah, great example of uh, the character that you purposefully of losing trust or, or becoming yeah. unsympathetic is. Uh, Nick Fury in the Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. We've loved him in all the other Marvel movies, right. and then in that one, we don't like him anymore because he's secretive, because he Iron lies. Man doesn't trust yeah. him, uh, and that says so much about him. Yeah. All right. Mary, you have our writing prompt. Yes. This time, uh, it's actually not so much about the sympathy thing. Okay. Um, uh, I want you to take something that you have written recently and swap out all of the dialogue with words, with completely 
different words. You're not allowed to reuse any of the same words except I'll, I'll grant you articles and pronouns. Okay. Very nice of you. Uh, All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 